Hi, John. Hi, oh, Berlin. Oh. oh, God. It's early. Are you recording from a different room? Does it sound different? Well, accepting the, I- accepting the uh, echo, I would, I, I would expect that it sounded like you might be pass- passing, uh, passing something through your bowels. Oh, no, no, no. I was thinking that you were hearing my head reverb. <laughs> Uh, no, it's the same. That's the same great taste in the same great room. My leather, my red leather chair. It's a, I have a red leather, uh, swivel chair that mm. rock, that rocks and is on wheels. Hmm. And, uh, I'm sitting at a, I'm sitting at a table that I found on the street. <laughs> and you're, you're, you know what? You're, you're nothing if not eclectic. Hmm. Eclectic. Eclectic. Now, now, when you, I don't. This is probably a little, <laughs> little personal, but I understand that sometimes, sometimes you do record and you're all together. That's right. That's right. In fact, that would be the case right now. <laughs> oh dear, dear, dear. It's, it's a, it's a warm day, and I am, I am not even sorry? bothering with a sheet or a towel. I'm That's just, what I was going to ask. Do you, do you get stuck to the seat? No, no. There's nothing that my, uh, that my um, natural form likes more. Than a, than a little bit of leather, a little bit of warm leather. <laughs> oh, God. I'll be so glad when fall's here. Mm, yeah, well, that, when it's winter, I'm often bundled up in a parka and also leather. Leather parka. <laughs> leather parka. <laughs> but, uh, I just but right need, now, that's you know, like two umlauts away from an 80s metal band. <laughs> leather parka. But it's a, it's a beautiful day here. It's warm. It's morning. It's it's a warm morning. <laughs> you sound like you sound like the late Red Barber when he would come on Morning Edition. Come on, Colonel. I'm seated. I'm seated nude in a red leather chair. The crepe metal of blooming. <laughs> oh, that's yes. fantastic! And and so I mean, just for, for our listeners who who may be coming in a little uh, late on this, you are mm. uh, you're you're a, you're a late riser and you're a late go to sleeper. Mm, that's correct. I uh, I do not like to go to sleep at night. Does that does that expose you? I just I don't find it. I do not find going to sleep at night. Uh, it's just not a thing that's on my to do list. And so when when night comes, I get busy, and then <laughs> it's often it often then is morning before I realize that I've forgotten to do something, which is go to sleep. Hmm. Oh, do, it's morning, and I forgot to go to sleep. Now, do you do you, uh, do you work on any of your little projects or, or your larger projects around the house? Is that is that that's really when you get head steam on? Is after right. after the sun goes down, that's when John comes alive. That's right. But then, once I am asleep, I really don't want to wake up. I don't want to get up, and often morning will turn to day and afternoon, and then afternoon will turn to evening, and I will. I'll roll over in bed and I'll say, did I forget to do something? <laughs> oh, I forgot to wake up. And so I'm always chasing. I, fi- I feel like the, the problem is that the, that the earth is on a 24-hour cycle. Mm-hmm. And I am on a 27-and-a-half-hour cycle. You know, this is a thing. Oh, it is. Oh, I've read about this. Turns out that actually uh, each of us does have uh, a different... Everybody's always thought, oh, different people need different amounts of sleep. But but there's this been this uh, you know assumption all along that it's based on a 24 hour clock and uh, one reason we're all screwed up I mean there's a lot of reasons we're all screwed up 
because because of, of sleep in particular. But right. uh, is that is that some people are on a slightly different clock, and uh, and there's all kinds of things that have to do with light and yeah. with, and with food and with consistency. And I know light, food, and and consistency have have some role in your life. But you light, may, food, you, and consistency are my accountants. Hmm. <laughs> That's uh, that sounds like awfully an awfully Caucasian set of accountants. They really are. They're all Norwegians. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I believe that if I every day, if I had four more hours, in addition to the twenty-four hours that I was allotted, mm-hmm. if there were four more hours that I could do with what I would, what I would, I would have no problem interacting with the rest of the world. I would be, I'd be one of those people that gets up and goes out dressed in a button-down shirt. And, you know, goes and does multi-level marketing or whatever it is that normal people do. <laughs> now, uh, now, the beauty part is you, you could do multi-level marketing right from your red chair. Well, right, except I don't, I don't have the four hours a day to a lot to it to where I – because with multi-level marketing, you have to be really committed. Yeah. It, what, you get out of it what you put into it. Right. Oh, absolutely. I think it starts out as something that's as simple as a part-time income muse, but yeah. then by the time you're done, you've got you've got a you've got a secret lover that's very high maintenance. <laughs> and really, you're you're right. Garbage in, garbage out. You know what I mean? I have, effort I in, that. effort in, money out. So D-I-M-O. yeah, that extra that extra four hours where yeah. it's like, okay, I've been awake for twenty hours and I feel good, but now I need eight hours of sleep. It's like and- you got, if you I don't work ping pong, but it's like you've been gypped. Because you, you've you've got a clock that works for you. I, I, it's Roman, just a little. I've been Roman. You got you got Roman. <laughs> you got uh you, you got a, you get a little bell for that one. You, Thank you. I, I like that. I like that Roman bell. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. I think Josh just signed them. The um the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the uh no but you know, okay i'm gonna find this article for you because it's a really good article and they there's actually there's a term for this that has to do with something like with uh social uh sleep debt and there's all kinds of problems one of the problems is like we sit around in the dark all day and we're not getting enough of the sunlight that tells our body that uh that you know that it's time to go to sleep and wake up and uh, specifically about people with basement dungeons or <laughs> well, I every, think, everyone's sitting around or you mean in the dark in the sense that well, we you don't know, like, here's, what's going this on. is they call it a vicious circle in uh in in, in psychology and uh, neuroscience in germany what is what is, what is vicious circle in germany <laughs> they call it vicious circle scheisen <laughs> Because the poop goes in, the poop goes out. There's no end in sight. I need four extra hours. No end in sight. I need Vir Virmas Octen hours. Yeah, Virmas Octen. Virmas Octen, Scheisse. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, here's the problem. I think the reason a lot of people go into a dungeon and don't come out, they call it seasonal affective disorder. So, so you know how some people get sad in their dungeons in the winter. If you've yeah. got the right amount of UV lighting, and, and you can, all the other thing is, like, you never get jet lag if you do that right. If you change the way that you eat a little bit before you fly, you change your lighting. Mm. Now, I think, I think somebody who spends a lot of time in a dungeon, whether by choice or otherwise, probably doesn't travel a lot. Uh, some people go into dungeons and don't come out because their Austrian father takes them down there and <laughs> seals the door. Be- because they're a mutant or, or just because that's where daddy likes you? Uh, because daddy's, ba- daddy's a bad man. Daddy, daddy has to keep you clean and the world is dirty. Daddy's a bad Time man. to read the Bible. That's right. <laughs> daddy, daddy's going to come down and, and visit you. But he's not going to let you out. Oh, God. Can I introduce you to Uncle Licky? <laughs> um, yeah. Mm, boy, there's just there's just so many handles on this suitcase. Um, but, you know, the thing is, I, now, according to this this thing that I read, I probably won't be able to find, that the eating is a big part of it, too. 
that a oh. lot a lot of your buddies regulate. And the, the the example I remember this guy giving is one problem with jet lag is it is a multifaceted problem that mm. involves it involves it involves your brain, it involves several parts of your brain. Like there's a part of your brain that sees light. There's the part of your brain that knows how long it's been since you've eaten. And you get this jet lag comes out of this dissonance from all these different forces fighting with each other. So your uh you know your 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 body may be in France while mm. your liver is still over the Atlantic. Mm. And uh, you know, and your bed is uh, is back there in uh, in Seattle. Well, here, here, here's what I ate yesterday. Okay, I'm going to write this down. I had one entire pot of coffee. Okay. I had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. I'm just still catching up. One, one pot of coffee. Now you know a lot of people. They say when they got a cup of coffee, they don't mean an actual cup. When you right. when you say a pot, you don't mean like a terrine. You mean like a Mister Coffee style. Mister Coffee style twelve cup. You had pot twelve. Of you had twelve coffee cups of coffee. Whatever, if you can put 12 cups of coffee in a Mr. Coffee pot, I don't know. I've never tried. But whatever that Mr. Coffee most pot co- is. Just, just for reference, most, most co- drip coffee makers are either 10 or 12 cup models. Right. I, mine is a 10 cup model. That's good. You're showing restraint. So I had one of those. Can I ask you a question? Was it, yeah. was it hot while you were drinking? This wasn't over the course of a day. It, it was, was like, But be- it was before it all burned off. You drank, you drank 10 cups of coffee at a sitting. <laughs> Does your does your coffee maker it, it brew so hot that over the course of the day it burns off like a like a gas flare? Well, I'm, on I'm an, sorry on to be the one who's doing. Oil, I'm oil sorry rig. to do. Yeah, we have a little flame on the top. It looks like very Blade Runner. <laughs> we have a Tyrell coffee maker. It's got giant glasses and now. <laughs> All right. So then I had a peanut butter sandwich. Tannhauser Gates. And so and so. But the thing is, if you don't, you know why they make that little liddy thing. Part of the reason for the liddy thing is if it sits on the burner. Now we have a really nice Cuisinart where you can keep it at low, medium, or high heat on the in the, keep the carafe warm. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, as you know from working in restaurants, if that coffee sits too long, like you know, in your case, you go into a bar. Oh sure, it gets all burning. And you you order coffee, and you're going to go and, and 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 please go fucking make the coffee now. Oh, I've been drinking coffee out of gas stations in the American desert Southwest for 25 years. I uh, know from coffee that's been sitting for you like, know from coffee from four four days. I do this at the Seven Eleven. I'm actually uh, a strangely a fan of the entire Seven Eleven coffee experience. I mm-hmm. like it all. Fucking stem to stern. Now, mm. now, do you put stoke in? Do you ever do you ever drop a stoke? What's a stoke? A stoke. You know how you get those little shitty creamers because they're too cheap to put on a giant thing a half and half. Yeah, of course. You get little shitty creamers. You get little shitty creamers of like French vanilla. Yeah. You've got. Uh, like, I don't. I don't use flavored. Fuck creamers. that in the eye. Yeah. Like what? Like strawberry vanilla. Fuck that. But there's these little, and you know, you get the little half and half. My dad called that stuff sissy coffee. That's pretty at, good. At a certain point, at a certain point, someone inter- introduced my dad to international coffee. You, you <laughs> little, inter- little cans. Little cans. International coffee. <laughs> And, and I think you're uh, supposed to sit around and enjoy that with elderly friends. And it was like Swiss flavored or something where it was <laughs> it tastes a, like Switzerland. <laughs> it tastes like Switzerland. It's had chocolate it's or something. and timely. <laughs> and my dad would every Punctual. once in a while, when friends would come over, you know, he would he would be like, "I'm going to make you guys some sissy coffee." This is my dad before he became an old man, and he had a <laughs> he had a, a full full voice. <laughs> I'm going to make you some sissy coffee, and he'd go make this French coffee that's that tasted like chocolate or Swiss Swiss chocolate. Oh my God, sissy coffee! And so, you get those little, uh, you get those little, uh, the shitty little creamers where you don't even have to refrigerate them. Yeah, what's a stoat? I think it's called Stoke with a, oh. with an a, a, you know the bar over the O like a long O. But uh-huh. but imagine, and I'm just saying. First of all, this drives me nuts because I'm a big creamer. I get I get you, a, are, you are a big creamer. I get I get a larger <laughs> coffee than I need. 
and then I I, I top Bowl it of off. Cream. Yeah. yeah, I like I like it real blonde, no sugar. Now imagine one of those stupid little cream bullets. Now mm. imagine a black cream bullet, but it ain't no cream in there, buddy. It's caffeine. Mm. It's a shot of caffeine, and they say right on there. They warn you right on there, right? Don't use more than one of these a day. And so you, put, you, I, you can buy them at a Seven Eleven. Oh, buddy, you don't buy them. They're sitting right there by the coffee. What? Mm-hmm. You're kidding me. Yeah. So there's like so you go if if it's like a, we how have do they a, keep the how do they keep the junkies from just living there? Well, I think I think they gotta just sweep them out of there sometimes. <laughs> no, you come in there, and the thing is, the thing about a Seven Eleven, like a like a McDonald's, if it's busy, it's going to be good. A busy Seven Eleven, they're making a lot of coffee. Now I'm like a crazy person when I go get coffee from Seven Eleven. I <laughs> oh, sniff. Yeah. I look for all the fullest, latest pots. I sniff each one of them. If mm. it's too acrid and bitter, I turn it away. Mm. Right, leave it, leave mm. it. And, and but then I go grab a Stoke. I drop that in. I top it off. I'm not really going anywhere with this, except to say Holy that cats. this is you need to go to Seven Eleven. They do still have the pump chili. We, as our, as our listeners have, have told us, uh, and the cheese. Look at the I haven't cheese been to pump. a 7-Eleven in a long time. You know, all the 7-Elevens oh, in Seattle out. are owned by Seeks now. Huh. Yeah. And I love and appreciate the Seek people. Right. right. That's different from the Sufis. Yeah, very hmm. different. But I have not, you know, I, I, I kind of got off the Slurpee train at a certain point there, and I have <laughs> not gotten back on it. Well, we, uh, we, uh, every Sunday morning when we go out for a daddy-daughter breakfast, we get her a, a donut there. And so, uh, yeah, and I get a giant ass coffee because I don't like the coffee at the place we eat breakfast. Actually, we bring a lot of our own stuff. The last time we went to breakfast at this place, we call it Irish breakfast. You go and get, I get, a, I get a mixed grill. Have I ever told you about my? <laughs> what is that? A one raw potato and a beer <laughs> and a fight. <laughs> it's a potato and a fist fight. <laughs> Have I told you about the mixed grill that I get every Sunday morning? Yes. Have I told you about it? Uh, I think so. It's a pork chop. It's liver. It's uh, Irish Irish bacon, Irish sausage, uh, two eggs, uh, potatoes, a grilled tomato, and grilled mushrooms. Is the restaurant the, is the restaurant where you eat in 1950? <laughs> it's called JJO Cholesterols. <laughs> where do you where do you go that serves liver for breakfast uh, on a buffet? It's a it's an it's an Irish restaurant. Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm gonna take you there because you know what else they got? They've got like you know those uh, those Irish they call it an Irish breakfast roll. <laughs> Basically, it's all like regular food, but they put Irish in front of it. Okay, <laughs> and Irish coffee—that's a whole different thing. You can't have yeah, yeah. that. No, that has booze. But in it. Uh, but but at any rate, we, we bring a lot of our own stuff. I don't like their silverware. I don't like their coffee. I don't like the water. And so we go in there with a bag. So uh, I put up a photo the other day of my daughter and I at this place. We're drawing X Men, uh, you know, logos. And and so I bring in a large coffee from Seven Eleven, a donut for her. I bring my own knife. I bring a leather man because I don't like their knives. I bring bendy straws for her. We come in there with a whole package because I don't like anything about it except the mixed grill. Anyway, so you had a pot of, you had one pot of coffee. Now the peanut butter and jelly. What's what, what kind of bread? What kind of jelly? Well, I uh, I you know I do a uh, a raspberry jelly mm. exclusively. Not a jam. And, not a jam uh, or a marmalade. Not a jam. A raspberry jelly and uh, and I uh, oh well, you know what I'll use a jam. You, you, and I, but and you I use have a stand. You have a stand on marmalade, right? I don't do. I don't use a marmalade because I don't suckers. want. I don't want orange in my sandwich. That's, stri- that's, that's strictly for the continental breakfast at, yeah. at the Days Inn crowd. Here's the thing about orange: leave it alone. Leave it. <laughs> you know, like leave it in the orange. Yeah, you know what I mean. Don't don't take the orange out of an orange and put it on a cake. Well, you like an orange juice because that's just the juice from an orange. That's just an orange that's turned into juice. I have a strong position on mixing two good things into something fucked up. Christmas but, porn. Take. 
Leave, Chris, leave Christmas Chris, alone. Leave no, porn. Oh, Christmas porn is great. <laughs> I think Christmas I, porn is a terrible idea. But then I play Santa Claus every year, so I am able to get into the character of There's Christmas There's one particular porn. photo of you with myself in it. two desperately cute girls sitting on your lap. They used to go in your mom's refrigerator. There are many, many, many photos of me with desperately cute girls sitting on my lap mm. dressed as Santa Claus. And so when I see Christmas porn, I'm like, I can identify with this. Oh, you, I am you, the Santa in this. In unlike this. unlike most porn, like where you may not have a beer can uh, cock, like you really can put yourself well, literally in that position. That's right. Have you ever leveraged Santa? How do you mean? How do you think I mean? Well, there's a group of uh, there's a group of girls here in Seattle because it is the Northwest who have mixed burlesque and elves, elvishness, <laughs> elvendom. They have mixed no, burlesque. Not. They have mixed burlesque and elven. Are these like t- t- tattoo chunky girls with pointy That's ears? Right. Oh, you got it. They got and pointy they, ears. They got pointy ears, and they come to Z- my Zoftic Spock. When I play Santa hmm. uh, at Christmas time, these girls come and are my dirt, <laughs> my dirty little elves. <laughs> Oh, and God. there are often eight to twelve of them. Did you just say dirty little elves? That's right, I did. I may have to rescind my feeling on Christmas porn. And they, so people, the 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 gig is people come and sit on my lap and have their picture taken, and the dirty little elves gather around. But when, you know, uh, but it's it's often like at an indie rock event where where people are shy about coming and sitting on my lap, like they're they're standing over there and they've got their <laughs> Creeper Lagoon T-shirt on and they've got their you know. Uh, their little tattoo of a bird right and they're like i want to go sit on his lap but i don't know i don't know should i i don't know is it cool i don't know and in that period while those people are making up their mind the dirty little elves will take turns sitting on my lap and having their picture taken and invariably they want to bend over santa's lap and have him give them a paddling oh come on and then it it goes from there it's Why really can't one it of the, be christmas every day it's really part of the you know i'm getting in the holiday spirit right now just sitting um, here in a I, red leather chair <laughs> i'm glad it's not christmas because i cannot stand up right now yeah oh well, my so, goodness so, anyway back to the coffee so what i decided whoa, at a certain whoa, whoa, whoa. easy tex so you're telling me that that's a serving <laughs> suggestion you get a, you get a you get a girl with with oversized glasses and a bird tattoo and you fucking spank her in a bar and that's yeah. a fucking serving suggestion people yes. in the audience say some settling hey, may occur come on I, up i can get that i can get that she looks yeah. fine she looks happy there, there's a uh, there's a, 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 a handsome young gay couple here in Seattle who met for the first time. They are now married. They met for the first time sitting on my lap. Both of them. When I was, when I was dressed as Santa. Yeah, they met one another. Yeah. You're changing lives. Yeah, yeah. This I've been doing this Santa gig for many years, and it's been a, it's been a real. I, I have to say, every year I'm like. As I'm put it, pulling on my my, my uh, your spanking pants, my my Santa costume that now looks like the one that Dan Aykroyd wore in Trading Places. There's actually like a salmon in it. I bet somewhere. I bet the pants can stand up by themselves. Um, as I'm pulling it on, I'm like, oh god, am I really doing this fucking Santa thing again? And then I show up at the at the bar, the event, or wherever. The place is full of people. There are like eight to twelve dirty little elves. There's, Would you please there, stop saying that? There's invariably like the that the the delightful young gay couple who who married after meeting on my lap, and I just feel like ah right, Santa's home. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Talk about a North Pole. Somebody brew me a pot of coffee. Ah! 
Um, as a sidebar, uh, Meta here, can I, can I ask you if to the extent possible, can you help me scare up some uh, photographs of that? Oh my goodness. Yes. I have. Cause I want to Photoshop my, Photoshop myself into them. I have them in spades. Dirty little you- elves. Are any of them actually kind of little? Uh, there are, are there statuesque ones? Here's the thing mm-hmm. about burlesque girls. They come in many, many shapes and sizes <laughs> and, uh, they're all wonderful. Hmm. Um, and in in the case of the there's group something of, really joyful about it. There really is, and in the case of the the, the ones uh, the, down in Portland, which has a much larger actual stripper culture, the burlesque because Portland has has strip clubs where Seattle really doesn't. I remember. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, Portland burlesque girls are coming at it from a different place. Uh, they're much more. It's it feels much more professional down there. In Seattle, the burlesque scenes are, uh, I, I would characterize them as enthusiasts. They are ah. uh, often girls who are not coming, have never stripped, are not coming at it from a like, this is, you know, this is my gig. I mean, I, 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 I got to tell you, buddy, I love an enthusiastic amateur. Yeah, they're coming at it from a like, oh my God, I made this great costume and now I'm going to like take half of it off. And you go, this is wonderful. It's a wonderful time to be alive. I support this 100%. So when you talk about Portland stripper culture, now are these, are these gals pros? I mean, are they doing it as their primary? Is it, just, is it a means of uh, woman empowerment or is it a way to make a buck or both? I mean, are they playing heavens to Betsy while they're, while they're dancing or how does that work? My survey of the strippers of Portland is incomplete, I have to say. I have, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been a hit or miss survey. Mm-hmm. But, but, it's but, largely w- anecdotal. This is one of the things about about Seattle, Portland, and San Francisco that people who live elsewhere may not realize, which is that <clears throat> until very recently, within living memory, all three of those cities were were disgusting seaports full of human flotsam and rats, mm-hmm. piled up garbage, and like uh, the last dregs of hippie culture, rednecks. And uh, sailors from Indonesia who got, you know, shanghaied and then kicked off the boat on the West Coast. In, in, in all cases, much more at the heart of it, blue-collar uh, blue culture. Absolutely. Blue-collar blue towns, there was no, there was no uh, computer industry. The, <clears throat> the arts were much more regional. And the, all three of those cities made a living from the ocean, primarily— and then, to a lesser degree, <clears throat> the forests and the surrounding farms. But there was, I mean, Seattle had Boeing. San Francisco obviously had, you know, a, a, a more vibrant economy. Portland had nothing. Portland had, had uh, lumber mills, and that was uh, pretty much it. So, not only when I was a kid, but up into my teen years and early 20s, all three of these cities were unsafe unfriendly, uncool, dangerous, scary, murdering, <laughs> like shitholes perched on the edge of the world. And nobody thought that the West Coast was a, a good place to be. And, it, you know, like Los Angeles, of course, was its own version of this, except in place of trees, it was, you know, prostitution and, and uh, Judaism. But in the last 20 years, all three of these cities have reformed 
<clears throat> Seattle has cleaned up I- incredibly. If you came, if you were transported from 20 years ago in Seattle to present day, you wouldn't recognize it at all. The city has become a giant mall. Uh, we we pushed everything bad out and replaced it with just like the most banal sort of cotton candy culture. Uh, and that is happen. That's obviously happened in San Francisco to a large degree. Although the mission continues to be. Um, what it is, the mission continues to be disgusting in a way that there's no longer a mission in Seattle, and there once was. But Portland, in its way, has, has, um, it has maintained at its core a kind of darkness that all the, all the new condo buildings and all the, the young people moving there to start techno bands cannot displace the fact that at the center of the heart of Portland, there is a, a, a greasy bald man with a comb over paying for sex with a 15-year-old runaway. <laughs> that is at the center of Portland's soul. And I don't think with all the fire hoses in the world, you could push those two into the river. Like, they are, they are there. And I don't know what it will take to exercise that from, from Portland's heart. Um, so anyway, when I see when I see anyone engaged in like uh, sex games in Portland, burlesque or uh, stripping or you know a- a- any anything uh, anything involving like women dancing for money, I, I I feel it's all it's always more professional, and by that I mean like harder edged mm-hmm. and darker and based on a, like a I ran away, I ran away from home I ran away from my stepfather and I ended up here type of type of vibe whereas a lot of that is gone from Seattle and it's and it's gone from here because of a paternalistic city culture where they're like we don't want you know like you can't drink in a strip club here you you have to you go into a strip club yeah and, they they want to keep it pure yeah you have to buy a 10 dollar coke you know to sit in a strip club here and it's a $20 cover to get in the door and all this stuff. And, and, and by imposing these kind of like rules, they've just pushed every, every strip club out of town, except for like the three or four that, that are the three or four that are here just for those guys that are like, come on, I'll pay, I'll pay, I'll buy a $20 Coke. I just want to see some girls boobs. Right. And so there are, there, you know, there are half a dozen here, but they don't have that raucous spirit. I mean, the strip clubs in Alaska, Oh boy, when what we used to—I mean, when I was still a teenager—I mean, at the time in the '80s, the doorman at a club in Alaska, his job, as he saw it, as the city saw it, there was a guy standing there checking IDs, but his job was just to keep—I think his job was to keep the Russians out. I don't know what his, <laughs> I don't know what he thought his job was. It was to keep the it was to keep like Russian sailors from invading or something because my friend Kel and I were sixteen years old and we would like we'd sit sit at home and like try on different trucker caps looking for the one that made us look like eighteen and a half and we'd get like we'd get the right costumes on where we felt like we looked like we looked like guys we looked like working guys and then we would go downtown and cruise the strip clubs and uh, it was the it, uh, the strip clubs of Anchorage were more of an education in human nature for me in, in I'm talking about 1985, mm-hmm. 1984, 1985. I learned more about human nature from sneaking into strip clubs 
than from almost any other thing I've ever done. Is that right? Because or from the from the patrons or or the gals, uh, the management, the whole, the whole thing. You know, there's so much there's so much crazy money in Alaska. It's in the hands of people who, in most cases, at, at least at the time, didn't have a high school education, and uh, the the strippers would come from all around the world because there are guys that are like throwing down five six thousand dollars. And there's, there's like, you know, there's probably only so many places to spend it, right? I mean, it isn't, it isn't like you can go out and, I mean, they don't have like a, you know, uh, a Chuck E. Cheese for, for, uh, for oil men. Like there's only so many places. Oh, there was a Chuck E. Cheese for oil men. Are you kidding? This was Alaska. (laughs) I need to learn. (laughs) No, it's not that there were, I mean, there were a, a million, billion, trillion places to spend it. But the, but the situation is here's a guy, he's 24 years old. He is from Oklahoma. He doesn't have. He, he never got a high school diploma, but he got his start working on oil rigs in the in the Gulf, and then he got contracted to come up and work on the pipeline. And they are paying him four times the money he was making in Oklahoma. But he didn't. If he was married, he didn't bring his wife and kids. Oh, really? Chances are he wasn't married because he's working eighteen-hour days, and then they're paying him in cash. So when he gets out, what is he going to spend it on? He's not going to go to the Performing Arts Center and watch the Nutcracker. He's going to buy some cocaine, buy some booze, go to a strip club, and then go to a hotel and repeat that until his money's gone. And, of course, in the 80s, that was was at the peak of the salmon fishery, too. So guys would go out for three months on a... On a fishing boat and come home and they'd have fifty, sixty thousand dollars in cash. My God, really? 80s, that much? Yeah, and they were, and this is because the fisheries. So a lot of these guys, and my friend Kel is one of them. He made fifty grand fishing salmon for three years running. Spent it all on on champ, you know, champagne and and uh, hookers, and then the the bottom fell out of the fishing. The the price of salmon just plummeted. The 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 government put in all these restrictions on who could, you couldn't just like, if you had a motorboat and a fishing pole, you couldn't just, or a, a motorboat and a net, you couldn't just go out there and take as much salmon as you wanted anymore. And so the bottom fell out. And then all these guys were suddenly making $8,000 uh, in three months where they were once making 50. And uh, when Kel was 23 years old, uh, the IRS contacted him and said, you owe us like a hundred and, sixteen thousand dollars in unpaid taxes wow but the bottom had fallen out of the economy up there and he was you know now he's making thirty thousand a year instead of uh you know a hundred and seventy thousand a year and he he was paying the irs back for for a decade and a half and is that but the salmon stuff like the oil stuff that's that's pretty hard work right oh yeah it's hard work but when you're 20 years old what else are you gonna do right you know you're working 18 hour days and you feel like you 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 could you're gonna be able to do it forever but so I would go into these places and, uh, you know, I, all around the world now, if you go into a strip club, there are all these policies like don't touch the girls. You have to sit back here. You have to there's, you know, there are kind of big thug, thuggy guys walking around the bar, making sure that nothing gets out of hand. And, but you know, it's, it's, but all, it's rules. Everybody knows. Everybody knows the rules and everybody plays by them. Well, <clears throat> in the 80s in Alaska, it was literally a situation where the girl was dancing on the bar and guys were grabbing her ankles and like, and she was, I can't, I cannot imagine that she was, um, not a little bit afraid, mm-hmm. but she was projecting a kind of confidence of like, that's right, boys. You know, 
Look, <laughs> give, give it your best shot. Like if you can, if you can grab it, you can have it. Do, do your worst. You know, do your worst. And yeah, and the bartender is is standing right behind her, just slinging bottles at these guys. And you know, and he's got like a derringer in his shirt pocket and a shotgun on the bar. And it's just like the, the everybody knew the rules then too, but the rules were. The rules were like uh, uh, <laughs> there were just two. Like if you touch the if you if you put your finger in the girl's poopy, he's going <laughs> to shoot you with the bar. He's going to shoot you with the shotgun. <laughs> and if you uh, if you pull out a gun, he's going to shoot you with the shotgun. Those were like the two rules. Like don't you pull out a gun and don't touch her in her don't touch her in the in the beer handle place. But <laughs> but otherwise, no six packing, gents. Otherwise, it was it was. It was a, uh, it was a free for all, and 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 in my experience, every every uh, of the multiple times that I snuck into these places, uh, the person in charge of the room, and the room was absolutely, and in a lot of cases, there was no lighting. It was just, uh, it was just fluorescent lights hanging oh, down. Oh God! Ceiling. That you know, sounds it was, awful. It, they were they had turned what had formerly been like a bingo parlor into a strip club, and and there were eight hundred guys in a space that should have had like sixty guys. But in every case, at least from my perception, the woman was in charge of the room. There was one visible woman or two visible women in the room, and they were absolutely in charge. Every guy in the room was at their, you know, if she, if she pointed to a guy and she was like, you, get out of here, or you, you know, take a step back, like the guy would absolutely step, do what she said. And it was because all the other guys in the room would enforce her, like the patrons would enforce the woman's dictum. Right, so if she said, "This guy's, a f- you know, get this guy away from me," six guys would grab him, and he would be gone in an instant. Boy, there's, there's no, there's no twenty dollar bill that's going to impress a lady so much as kicking some guy's ass. Exactly, and that was, that was, you know, that's it was, it was such an animal culture where all these other guys were like, "I'll do that for you, lady," like uh, a very old west kind of kind of vibe. And of course, I was a big kid. But I was so terrified in these places. I mean, you you, you walk around now and, and, and you think like you see these kids with the tattoos on their faces or you see like, <laughs> you know, people that are that are that are like tough looking. But you, uh, there's nothing to compare to a guy who's been working on the north slope of Alaska or a guy that's that's been working out in the in the in the ocean up there. The kind of toughness that they have, the scariness that they that they possessed. I would just, I'd, you know, of course I would go right to the front because that's how I go. That's how I do. <laughs> but they were so terrifying, these men. And I was just trying to like, I squared my shoulders off and was like, ha yes, I am another man here. Just having some lady times. It must be, it must be a really weird adjustment to go from being around. I mean, clearly we can see the uh, frisson as, as you say, uh, of a man who spent a lot of time in Alaska having to come back to the States. But it, it must be it must be really jarring to go from that kind of a culture uh, to pretty much anywhere else. I mean, it's like being on the frontier. It's like being in that Indiana Jones bar. Yeah, yeah. It took me a couple of years after I was down here to moderate my voice and my expectations of other people. And you know, I would walk into a party and be like, "Is this are, is this party going to go off or what?" You know, and I'd grab the host's uh, father's beer stein and I'd throw it through his front window. <laughs> You got, uh, you got to establish yourself. Yeah, and it would, and you know, and everybody would just be like, 
And the guy would come up and say, you know, you, that was my dad's beer stein and you owe me $1,500. And I'd be like, oh, man, this party sucks. It did. It took me a while to, to like rein it in. And I feel like a lot of guys come out of Alaska, they come down to the States and they can't rein it in or they don't want to. Mm-hmm. And they, they turn around and they head back up there. Because to live like that, to live in that culture, <clears throat> to keep that kind of energy going but down here in america you have to really be digging into like prison culture or whatever you have to you have to be going to bars where everybody there has just recently been paroled and up there that's kind of the vibe at 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 a at a let's just say i mean not every bar obviously there are fern bars in alaska too but a much larger cross section it sounds a little like almost like a uh still in saigon kind of vibe like you're still you're still reaching for your uh, rifle in the middle of the night. Yeah. Well, yeah, like that scene in uh, in uh, Deer Hunter where he goes back to Vietnam to find to find uh, not Rutger Hauer. What was his name? Uh, what Christopher Walken? Christopher Walken. He goes back to find Christopher Walken, and he's he's in there playing <laughs> playing. Uh, oh, it's so early. Yeah. Uh, what's the game? Russian roulette. Are you talking about when they're in the uh, the DD Mao? In the DD Mao. The- <laughs> yeah. uh, you can cut all this out. No, I'm. I, I'm, ex- <laughs> I'm ex- I mean, I am. A, I am a legitimate old school pussy, and I. I. I, uh, I am so so uncomfortable in a place like that. Let. I mean, you know, it's in Portland. I mean, I did, I, didn't I ever tell you the story of Lola? I don't think I've ever heard the story of Lola. So I was at one of these strip clubs. And Kel and I had had gotten up, but we were up at the at the front. So the it's a you know the the girl is dancing on the <clears throat> on the table, and we had pushed our way through this crowd and gotten so that we were sitting at the table, not just like not just leaning on the table, but there we 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 were we were in seats. You know what I mean? Like we 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 crowded up to the front until some guy left his chair, and then one of us grabbed a chair, and then the, uh, some other guy left his chair, and then we both had chairs. Like it was a, it was. Um, that's pretty type A behavior. It was quite, it was quite an accomplishment to be up there sitting in chairs. And there were guys like falling over us from behind, pushing their in between, but we kind of like, uh, scrunched together. And we had this little, this little block where we were most, we, we felt mostly safe. Like, okay, we're, we're here, we're, we're secure. And we're here at the, at the table. And there were girls dancing on the table. And every time a girl would get done dancing, you know, the guys are just throwing money at them. Uh, when it was time for that girl to leave and the next girl to come out, every guy in the bar would start chanting, Lola, 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 Lola. And then another girl would come out and she'd be like, I'm not Lola, but this is what you get. And everybody would go, woo! <laughs> and she'd dance and everybody would throw money at her and then she'd leave and everybody would go, Lola, Lola! And and uh, and the next girl would come out and be like, fuck you, I'm not Lola, but here I am. Here, take a look at my pussy. Woo! <laughs> And so Kel and I are sitting at the table and we're like, who is this Lola? We got to see this Lola. This She's like, Lola's the one, you know? But as the evening wears on, because we've been, we've been just chugging beers, I have to go to the bathroom. And, and I sit there in my chair until I really, 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 really have to go to the bathroom. And I don't want to get up. I don't want, first of all, I don't want to get up and lose my chair, but also... I don't. I I'm I'm 16, right? I don't want to get up and turn around and have somebody in the bar look at me and go, "Who's that kid? Get him out of here!" <clears throat> so I'm sitting at the table and I'm like, I'm saying to Kel, like, I gotta go to the bathroom, and he's like, "Well, I don't know what to tell you." 
Like, and I, after a while, I can't hold it anymore. Well, we're drinking. What they're serving in the bar is Mickey's. Oh, God. And Mickey's came in a big mouth bottle. It mm-hmm. was called Mickey's Big Mouth. Mickey's Big Mouth. I've had, I've had a few of those. And so after a while, it's Keller, a, and it's a, just to be clear, it is a, it's a malt liquor. It's a malt liquor. It's a, forti- Kel- it's a fortified beverage. Kel says, you know, go in, go in oh, Mickey's bottle. Oh, no. <gasps> That's not going to be big enough. And so, well, so, so sitting at the table, I like put the Mickey's bottle under the table and I unzip my fly and I start to go pee in the Mickey's oh, bottle. Oh, Jesus, John. And there's a girl stripping at, <laughs> right in front of me and I'm surrounded by guys and I'm, uh, I can't say whether I'm the only guy with his dick out in the bar, but, I'm, <laughs> but I am definitely like the only one peeing in a Mickey's bottle, at least that I can see. And I'm trying to pull it off. Well, it's your, first, I, it's your first time. That's, my, that's right. And I fill this Mickey's bottle up to the very, very rim. And you're absolutely right. I have not, I, I, there's not enough room in the Mickey's bottle for all of the pee. Oh, God. And so I'm like, fuck, what do I do? With Order this another bottle? round fast. <clears throat> no, there are empty Mickey's bottles. I mean, the bar is just covered with empty bottles because there's, there's no busser. Right. You know, it's just, it's just bottles everywhere. And at that point, the girl gets off the stage and Lola comes out. Mm. Now I'm, I'm sitting here with my, with my penis out with a bottle, a a bottle full to the rim of pee under the table. (laughs) And I still have to pee. You're wait. So you, you, you're still, you're pinched at this point. I'm pinched. You're a young man. So you can handle that for a while. It's not like today. Right. I'm pinched. And here comes Lola and Lola strides out on the stage and the place goes bonkers and lola is a a, a pretty like lean dark-haired girl with a huge gap between her front teeth and uh you know she she's not like a big big she's not a buxom girl she's she's a she's a little scrapper you know she's like a she's a terrier and she comes out on the stage and she just absolutely owns the room she's marching back and forth she's like shouting at people she's pointing at guys she knows guys by name and the bar goes bananas and i don't you know i'm getting pushed from behind so i take the mickey's big mouth this was the this was the error the classic error i do not put the mickey's big mouth full of pee on the floor which is what i should have done i put it on the bar i pick pull it up i set it next to me on the bar no no and I grab another bottle and I like, you know, put, uh, make it full, half full of pee or however much more pee there is. And I put that on the bar and I zip up my pants and Kel and I are watching Lola and, you know, our, our, we're, we're trying to figure out. Uh, but but at our, this point you're thinking more about the pee than Lola. No, no, no. I, I put the pee up there and I'm like, I'm done. I am out of it. You know, it's, the, it's just this bottle now has disappeared into a whole collection of bottles right. on the stage. Like, I am, I'm now focusing on Lola 100%. And Kel and I both are trying to figure out, like, why is this woman such a icon to these guys? And it's obvious why. Uh, she's like she's the most rock and roll person anyone any of us have ever seen. She is she's so rock and roll, and so like uh, she's so owning the room 
that there's just no comparison. You know, she, like I say, she's, she's, she's kind of a lean boyish gal, but, mm. but she has a, she has a, like sexual charisma. And so Kel and I are like leaning on the bar, watching this girl. And I feel a tap on my shoulder and I turn around and it's a sailor, a guy in a U.S. Navy uniform, pie-eyed drunk. Mm. And he points to my pee and he says, is that your beer? Oh, my God. And I said, no. And he kind of looks around and sort of sly grabs it and it is steaming hot (laughs) and takes a big draft off it. And Kel goes, that's it, we're out of here! And grabs me and I, and the two of us run through that, push our way through that crowd and you know, and leave that scene in our rearview mirror. And I swear to you, like, we ran and ran. We got out of that bar and ran and ran and ran. But he didn't immediately, no, like flinch. No, he figured no. somebody had abandoned a beer and it got warm. Yeah, that's oh, what John, 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 drunken U.S. Navy, dumbass state of like Lola intoxication. <laughs> he took a big big healthy drink of my pee right off the bar mm. and i was absolutely certain in that moment i mean i was paralyzed if kel hadn't grabbed me i would I, I don't know what would have happened but i was sitting there absolutely paralyzed that he was going to he was going to break that bottle across my face and then were, were would... you at all tempted to warn him oh no oh no 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 i mean he's like is that your beer and i was all i could do to say like no i mean i wasn't gonna like no no hey guy hey bro Mm-hmm. Hey, hey! Just between dudes, that's P. There's no, there's no good answer other than the one you gave. Well, yeah, right. It wasn't mine, but he's well, if you gonna... said if you said it was yours, you got a prisoner's dilemma here. If you said it was yours, he 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 would have. Then you're going to get in a fight. Yeah, I mean the, the 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 correct answer. If it happened today, if I was in that same situation today, I would say, hey, just between you and me, don't drink that. Wink. And you know, and he would move on. But I was I was 16. I had didn't have the confidence to do a thing like that. Oh I was God. just, I was thinking, when he tapped me on the shoulder, I was sure that it was a guy there to tell me that, it, that they had, that we were kids and we needed to get out of there. So, oh, uh, it was a, it was a low, it was a low moment. I can still, I can still touch the fear that I had, you know, what I, I mm-hmm. can still like reach out and remember the pure terror. And yet, and yet Kel and I would go again and again to these strip bars. And, and the, and the thing was, Though it wasn't even, at least for me, like I don't like going to strip bars. Like the idea of watching, uh, of paying somebody to dance naked for you mm-hmm. to, is not like appealing to me. But I, I was, I was so. Uh, this seemed like the mo- the place where people were the most alive that I had ever seen in my life. You know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, it's a lot, it's a, that's a lot of conflicting emotion. It's bound to have an impact on you. Absolutely. I mean, I was. Uh, because because I'm also looking at the women and saying like this is what this is what I uh, should be I should learn to like this right you know what I mean like I was mm-hmm. thinking I need to learn to appreciate this because this is what is attractive or this is like this is sexiness 
Um, oh, especially when you're 16. I mean, if you're 25, there's any number of angles. But in that case, you 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 better you better be into it. Yeah, I mean the 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 uh, at one point I found out in the woods a stack of Iron Horse magazines, which was an a old, biker biker magazine. Yeah, an old magazine for that was that was for like uh, renegade bikers, and they always had a centerfold in that magazine of like a biker chick that posed naked on on you know sort of draped across somebody's custom Harley, and those girls were all those girls were always like Lola. Uh, they were, they were, you could see how fierce they were and they weren't, ex- they weren't strictly beautiful. They were, um, they were hardcore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I had that to go on and I had, but, 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 but going into these strip clubs, you know, it's like, what, what is that? When you're 16, what else have you seen where people are in a mob scene like that? Like a high school football game maybe, or, or an all school dance. I mean, they, it, right. it just, it, it can't compare. You see, uh, the, the time that I was in a strip club with you, um, I was... Uh, you and I were both very uncomfortable. I thought you handled... You comported yourself very well. It was what, what, what weirded me out. Well, first of all, I was weirded out just because uh, it's just really, really not my scene. But I was really quite taken aback with how extremely comfortable several of our friends were. Uh, nay, more than comfortable. Yes. No, enthusiastic and like These are really... people that I've seen looking awkward in, in, a, uh, in a food court. And they yeah. fit right in. They were very... They understood everything. They knew. I don't even say the rules. They it was it was like it was, it was like they, they were going to Cheers or something. Yeah, uh, it was very unusual for me. Merlin and I and a, and a group of our friends who are who you would look at and say, "Oh, what a bunch of nerdy, what uh, a bunch of fruits, what a bunch of nerdy tech guys with their like their too short pants." <laughs> uh, we were all hanging out, and uh, and it was like, "All right, it's getting kind of late. What do you guys want to do?" And uh, a few of these characters were like, "Let's go to a strip club." And when they first said it, you know, I was playing host. When they first said it, I I thought it was a joke. I thought they were being I thought they were being facetious. I was like, ha, 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 yeah, strip club. And they were like, no, seriously, mm. let's go to a strip club. And I was like, strip club, really? And I, yes. I felt exactly the same in, in some ways as I would have when I was sixteen, nineteen, or twenty five. Which is that I'm not sure if I'm okay with this politically. I know I'm going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, but okay. But no, so, but so, I mean, it isn't, it, it isn't like, um, and by the way, just, just, you know, I've spent about the last hour doing very little except for looking at pictures of girls sitting with you as Santa, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I could, I could get, I could get comfortable with that, yeah. but there's just, there's something about, there's so, so, you know what, you know what it is partly, it's like, if you go anywhere dirty, like a dirty place, uh, accepting places in Alaska, they're a little too clean and they smell a little too much like pine salt. Yeah. There's pine something salt, about it that's like. It's it's almost like uh, like a well kept slaughterhouse. We we're like, you guys have done a great job here. It's obviously humane and artisanal, but clearly some bad shit goes down here. And well, and, and if you recall, so we walk into this strip club here in Seattle. You walk up steps. Buy, well, walk serves. up some steps. Pay a twenty dollar cover and buy a ten dollar coke. And we're standing there, and you know, and our friends have like they can't. They're, they're, slap dis- their, they're disappearing into banquettes right. in the back. They can't slap that twenty dollars down fast enough, and they are in there. And you and I are standing. They're not, they're not of, standing there and getting the lay of the land. They, they, they. It's like they know the floor plan. It's like fucking Mission Impossible. They're right in, and one of them is like, "I like Chinese girls. Give me that Chinese girl." And the other one's like, "I like Hispanic girls. Come over here, Missy." I mean, they were like in charge. John, right they come away. up and they come up and talk to you. The girls talk to you there. They come up and talk to you. It's so but, just, It's really you, weird. You, what was what was crazy about that event was you and I are standing at the front, uh, uh, still still like looking at our twenty dollar bills, kind of wistfully going, "I don't want to pay twenty dollars for this. Really, do I have to?" 
and we're standing standing there talking and the door opens and out comes like a a, a local empresario and and future mayoral candidate here in seattle who's like hey john how are you buddy backslap and i'm like oh hey and he's like oh i didn't know you came here come with me and he he wraps his arm around my shoulder i don't know if you i might have left you at this point no i blocked out he guides me through the bar to the back he's like there's somebody i want you to see like pushes me through all the way to the back where there are curtained off areas mm-hmm. there are like like uh you know, twin beds back there covered with velvet and cr- kind of curtained off with, with a lacy curtain. And I'm like, oh, God, where are you taking me? <laughs> where are we going? <laughs> and, and we walk back there and he pu- he pulls the curtain back. And there's a guy, a friend of mine, who is a, who is a, you know, like a, a local club booker <laughs> with, with two girls on him. Oh, God. And the, and the, and the guy who's got his arm around me is like, you know, <laughs> jump in there you know look at, i paid look at that guy <laughs> i i paid for those girls so oh, so no. so we have a right now to like you know jump on him and i was like i don't want to jump on him i don't want to be here it's oh, disgusting man. and the girls were like ah. i don't know the whole the whole scene and you know and I, my the my friend the the booker was like you know shit faced he was he was his his lap dance was just about to turn into a nap dance <laughs> <laughs> and I just wanted out. So, you know, I, I, I extricated myself from that, like, bacchanalia and came back and found you sitting on a, sitting on one of the, it wasn't a couch. It was I was, like, I was near the stage paying, like poli- mushroom, paying you know? politely as often as I thought I needed to, to not stand out. Right, right. You're just throwing a dollar bill periodically just so that they, you know, so they didn't notice you. Well, if a, the thing is, if a girl comes up and talks to you, excuse me, a, 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 an empowered woman comes up and talks to you in a place like that, I mean, what I'm going to sound like such a, such a dick if I go, you know, I, I don't really want to be here. I'm not comfortable with this. <laughs> it's like, well, no, then, well, you know, this is where I work. This is what I do. And, yeah. and you give me money to sit here and pretend to like you. And that's kind of why you're in here, idiot. It's like right. going to McDonald's and like complaining about beef. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's not going to stack up. So I'm trying, you know, and, and, but I don't still want to encourage it. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, it would be like hand feeding goats at the petting zoo or something. Well, they're, and what they're, when they're trying to convince you to pay them $40 to give you a personal I dance, think what they're doing which, is, which our friends were happily oh, doing on so either many side dances. Of so many, I guess that's what they call it. Uh, but I mean, yeah, yeah. They, and a couple of them went back a few times. They went and got a refill. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not, it, that is not how, how my, um, it's not how my sexuality manifests itself. I wish I wish I could have walked out of that situation feeling great about myself instead yeah. of just feeling like I was like a homemade pussy. Like you, uh, you, no, you wish you could have walked out of there with with a girl on each arm wearing a fur top hat <laughs> and climbing into a white Bentley <laughs> with a woman literally holding my dick. Yeah, with a woman holding your dick and Rick James driving it. <laughs> That's what we all wish, but you know. Uh, instead, I... instead we slouched out of there in our in our dockers <laughs> and went back to the hotel that was being paid for by the conference oh, <laughs> or whatever. No. I um, what'd you have after after the peanut butter and jelly? Oh, so I decided how. Here's how I was going to consume coffee from now on. Coffee cups are not big enough. And I don't want to go. You get one of those, those fruity French bowls. I don't want to go the route of some of some uh, you know big coffee cup. 
Like if you go to if you go to Starbucks, you know what I'm talking about when you go to when you get one of those bugs. French kinds. It's like a bowl with yeah, a handle, a big, like a like a cereal bowl with a handle. I yeah. don't want to do that. I don't I'm opposed. I'm opposed to this. John. In the '90s, I drank coffee out of a pint glass, and that was before the before the culture universally decided that a coffee cup was too hot to hold unless you had a paper diaper for it. <laughs> Like there was a time, if you can imagine this, yes. uh, before nineteen ninety six, when people could hold a warm beverage, when people could hold a warm beverage without having a diaper on it and without, without needing cr- a prosthetic device. Yeah, and so I used to drink coffee out of a out of a pint glass, which is glass and which got very hot. But a, ser- but a serious pint glass can it won't shatter with the heat. Like a, is, is that no, right? These are serious glass, you know, like old style pint glasses. But a- as time has gone on, I've realized that pint glasses are when they're filled with hot coffee, are inherently unstable. They are smaller at the bottom than they are at the top. Mm-hmm. So I do, and I want, you know, I want, a, I want a coffee mug. So anyway, I discovered, or I remembered, rather, all those two-liter beer steins <laughs> from, like, Beer House in Munchen. You know, they all have, all, all of the, in, 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 uh, in like, uh, Bavaria, right? They make those. They call it uh, Sh- uh, Schwartz uh, Cafe uh, Scheissen. But they're not they're not made for coffee, they're made for beer. Mm-hmm. They're beer beer steins, the the, the Bavarian style. I know, I know like, what you're talking about it's like a yeah. foot like a foot high, right? They're a foot high and they're gray uh, ceramic and they have a little like two liter beer two two liter uh symbol that's been that's been punched into them while they're Oh, while like like the queen sweat. the queen's measurement kind of thing, like up to exactly. this line is two liters. Exactly. And then generally, uh if it if it comes from a particular like beer house beer stube they uh they have the their their emblem on it you know their coat of arms is on these things so i made it a point as i travel through life to collect and and, and this is the type of thing that that like old men collect right beer steins like guys collect these and and display them next to their wives spoons. menagerie of of hummel figurines or spoons ladies like spoons right spoons or little bells or spoons with bells i don't know hmm. if you've seen those very popular snow globes. So I started. I started buying these things, and now I have a, a collection of beer steins that that will that will hold two liters of coffee. John, do you have any sense of like how much coffee? How how too how too much coffee? Anything approaching two liters is mm. not at all. And does it keep it warm for the amount? Oh, I mean, yeah, because well, they're they're you know they're made to keep your they're insulated to keep your beer cold. Because you're, you're telling thick. me the Germans buy beer like two liters at a time and drink it. That's correct. They drink two liters of beer at a time. Have you ever seen the uh, like the uh, the Hofbrauhaus in in uh, in Munich where I've the seen, girl photos? The girl comes and she's got like seventy beer steins. Oh, in like each the poly, hand. poly girl. Boy, you could have 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 to have a, like a lot of upper body strength to do that. Those girls are amazing. They really they they are uh, they are powerful, powerful ladies. The German girls. But in any case, so that so I, <laughs> I drink my coffee out of one of those. I had a peanut butter sandwich. I took a bath. I'm talking about what I had to eat yesterday. Mm-hmm. I got the coffee. I got the coffee pot. The PB and J. And so, just just to close that loop, that is the the Stein is your current go to. You have you put. It sounds to me two liters. Of course, for me, canonically, two liters would be like a two liter plastic thing of Coke. But but how much? You know of, what? These are one point five liter. Oh well, that's that's reasonable. These are one point five liters. That's right. They're not two liters. It's one point five liters. One point five liters. Yeah. And so that is half of a. That is two bottles. Like if you get a bottle of liquor, that's uh, my tequila comes in 750 milliliters. I believe that's the standard for a bottle. For a bottle that you're going to tuck into your shirt. 
No. Not for a bottle that you're going to... Well, f- let me look. I'm pretty sure. So that's... But anyway, that's 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 a, that's a fuck ton of coffee. Yeah. And you, anyway, put, you put cream so then, in. You put cream I in. I did. I put a little cream in there. Okay. I'm not a... I know not, an, the, not an animal. I know that the Sultan said that putting cream in coffee, it ruins both things. But I do it's like, not believe. See, now we're back to the Christmas porn. But uh, So then for lunch, I had some macaroni and cheese with hamburger in it. Ooh. Should you make that yourself? Yes. Huh. I, I believe that I believe that macaroni and cheese is only improved by adding hamburger or sausage to it. Oh, boy. Yes. I don't know if I ever made you my uh, kielbasa. Craft dinner. Uh, so do you make a craft dinner and you put do brown meat and then mix it up with the craft dinner? Correct. <laughs> and sometimes I put a little, you know, a little garlic, a little onion in there. Well, that sounds delicious and, and economical. It's very good. It's a you know, craft dinner is not an expensive thing. And this is different. Obviously, this is different from chili mac. This is this is straight up straight up craft dinner with uh, with beef. You ever make a chili? You ever make a chili mac? I'm not a big fan of chili mac. Okay. Uh, but then later on in the day, I had two chocolate chip cookies, and then I had two lifesavers. And then at one o'clock in the morning, I had I I made two hot dogs and I covered it with a can of chili. <laughs> and then eventually you went to bed. And then I went to bed at four o'clock in the morning. And now I'm talking to you. It's very early. Mm. <sighs> My God! And yeah. do, you, do you have the hot dog on a bun? No, I I find that if I buy hot dog buns, I like hot dog buns. Mm-hmm. If I buy a hot dog a package of hot dog buns. Uh, they, I use two of them and then the rest sit in the refrigerator till they get moldy. They go blue. They go blue real fast. So it's not a thing that I feel is a good investment. Hot dog buns. Like if you buy a package of corn tortillas, Mm -hmm. they will, I mean, I have a package of corn tortillas in my refrigerator that now I'm keeping just to see, (laughs) just to see if when I die, my heirs inherit (laughs) this package of corn tortillas and still find them tasty and useful. Because if you seal if you seal the bag, you'll be fine. Keep it someplace dark. And they they appear they appear to last forever. I don't know. I I've never seen a corn tortilla go bad, but a hot dog bun will go bad in a, in a blink of an eye. So I don't. I feel like it's not a unless I'm having a barbecue. There's no reason to get a package of hot dog buns. So no, it was just two hot dogs and I put some cheese on them. Uh, let's be honest. Mm. And then I poured a can of chili on top of them. What kind of what brand? Didn't, not Dinty Moore. Uh, no, I have to say that that that. Uh, that the chili I used was stag chili. Okay, now I've seen stag. Every time I go to the store and I see chili, I think of you, and I think uh, that you would probably be. So you wouldn't you you wouldn't you wouldn't think less of me if I if I tried some canned chili. No, I don't prefer it. But, no. uh But in a pinch, if it's one o'clock in the morning and I feel like two chili dogs. So st- to, stag stag chili is there a certain varietal? Is it is there a certain varietal to to get or watch out for with stag chili? Well, so Stag has a whole selection of chilies, different okay. flavors. But here's what I typically do: I buy a bunch of vegetarian chili, and then I buy, you know, a few cans of Stag for when I'm, uh, for when it's one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but I, what I do is I buy a bunch of vegetarian chili, and then I make five pounds of hamburger, and I pour fifteen cans of vegetarian chili in it, and then I have a pot. Are you, of- are you wearing clothes while you're doing this? It depends. Do you have an sometimes, apron? Isn't there splatter? Sometimes just an apron with nothing else. Uh, but I feel like... <laughs> just your Santa beard. <laughs> I feel like the problem with buying things like canned chili in a supermarket is that, is that it's, it's the pump chili problem. It's at one point there is a cow and he's eating some... He's eating some grass, yeah. and then somehow he becomes pump chili, and everything in between the cow eating the grass and him being in a 
in a bag in a pump. Mm. It's all stuff I don't want to know. You're not going to get that. It's not going to be choice bits. It's not. It's not. It's not going to be good at all. And to the degree to which I can control my hamburger supply by buying organic hamburger from a local guy that I know, I try to do. I got. I got to tell you. I mean, I'll uh, I'll pick up a ribeye. You know, uh, but I I I, I'm getting I'm getting a little antsy about the ground beef. It's finally it's finally the uh, cheap chicken and cheap ground beef are starting to really worry me. Yeah, because you know you know the process by which uh, like a Tyson's chicken is made. There is nothing good about it from the time that the egg comes out of a chicken that is owned by Tyson Mm -hmm. to the time that that chicken tender is going through your gut like every step of the way something evil has happened and um so anyway so i i I take the vegetarian chili which just by definition if you are selling vegetarian chili you are a hippie Hmm. and so i i feel very confident what if i buy a can that says organic vegetarian chili that the chances of there being any hate in that can Mm -hmm. are very very small. Do you buy do you buy anything more masculine to offset the appearance that you're a giant faggot? No, because I don't care what people in supermarkets think about. Good it. for you. Good for it's you. Like, can can up- I tell you what bugs me? I you know I'll tell you what bugs me. I don't like talking about my groceries. Is I really that you have? Huh? people want to talk to you about your groceries. Oh, for the love of God. At our Safeway, there used to be one one lady, one uh hyperbibulous woman. Uh-huh. I mean, you think I talk? This, this she's just a, a a solid streak of nothing. Just uh-huh. and she's just commenting on everything. She's clear. She clearly needs some of my medicine. She's yeah. out of control, and uh, and she talks about every single item. Item? Oh, my oh God. She'll, she'll she'll pull it up. No, no, no. This is not like going to William Sonoma, where they instructed to compliment you on your decisions and talk about interesting things you could do with it, which also drives me crazy. Right. I go in there and I buy Soda Stream. I hand in my old Soda Stream. I get new Soda Streams, but they have to make a remark about it. <clears throat> there might be a lot of people like this. Do you like to make this with the mix? No, I'd like you to take my money and let me leave the fucking mall. <laughs> I want to have a sign, like sort of like with the taxi drivers, right? Yes. I just want to say, turn off your music, throw away the air freshener, and fuck for love, love of God, stop talking to me. Well, and, it's like the, it's like that at my dentist's office. Like I sit down in the chair. Uh, and I mean, obviously, at a particularly at an orthodontist where they're used to talking to ten year olds, I sit down in the chair, and the the girl leans over and she opens her mouth and she's like. Hi, how are you? You know, and she's farting rainbows in my mouth, and I'm like, "Fuck off! I'm not. I don't want to talk to you." Oh, oh, you know, and you know what else? Uh, You know what else? Now, now, I'm I'm ready to disagree on this one, but I'm telling you, I also don't want you to tell me how to improve my dental health. Oh, fucking a! Can can you just keep your tips and tricks to yourself? There's so much shame involved in the in in the mouth. No, it's not even that. I just don't want to talk about it. You know, get all the brown stuff off. Put some (laughs) of that shit on there that makes it white. Floss me. But you know what? Don't give me a bag full of stuff. Don't give me fucking homework. There really is a lot of shame about the about teeth, though. You got to. It's like going to a car wash and having people talk to you. You don't have you don't have any cavities. I have no cavities. Oh my God! Yeah, but yeah, but you'll remember now that the the the, uh, the hygienist uh, when I would still go to the dentist because they're they're jackals. Yeah, they, she would give me the same uh, uh, Xerox each time about how if I don't floss, I'll get a heart attack. <laughs> There's this has been conclusively shown that uh-huh. the stuff that is in plaque will get into your body. And I know fucking Van Hoot out there is going to send me links about this. Yeah, it gets into your body. Oh yeah, you kidding me? The stuff in plaque gets into your body you know and it gives you a you know heart it attack. It's what cavity. is it? It's, it's cavity creeps. Cavity creeps. Is that the right? They, creeps, they still have those. Well, they can't. They can't make cavities on you because somehow there, somebody, some wizard, cast a spell of 
of uh, of dentine on you or something. We so you can't make holes in teeth. But the cavity creeps are figuring out a way to get in and fuck with your heart. They're making cavities in your heart. Fucking A. Yeah. They've cavity. evolved. They've become sentient, like the uh, nutria. Mm-hmm. What you need is scrubbing bubbles. Well, you know what's funny? I need to clean my office because it really is it really is just awful right now. So I'm going to actually... Do you have any Mickey's big mouths full of tea mm, lying around? No, I have one jug I keep right here for podcasts. And I, within <laughs> at least a day or two... Of being done. Oh, I have several facts for you, John. Can I give you two facts quickly? I know I'm, I don't want this to run long, but I have two facts for you that are very important. First of all, apparently, the the uh, the amount of time that is spent by a typical federal chicken inspector on a bird, Burr? third of a second. Typical federal chicken inspector. Isn't that a big lady three, song? Four. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, guided by voices. Uh, <laughs> no, it's they spend a third of a second per chicken. They get three three chickens a second. That's that's the inspection process for fucking chicken. So here's what the inspection process is: alive, 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 alive. alive. Oh, not alive. But you get remember that when that here. happened? That was during the Clinton years. I remember it was the Clinton years because Tyson had given him a lot of money. Where yeah. they locked the doors on the place, and there was a big slurry of, of chicken water and shit. You remember that? Oh yeah, slurry of chicken water and shit, and shit. Here's the other thing. Now I need to, I need to fact check myself on this, but I'm pretty sure. And this is why I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to cock block your Mickey story. But I, but I, I'll tell you something that I learned a long time ago that I constantly keep in mind. I don't know if it's entirely accurate, mm-hmm. but you, I have a feeling that based on your experience on the road, so you've peed you've peed into a what probably a Dijani bottle, like a big mouth bottle. You you're, talking about, you're talking about being on tour? Well, when you have to pee in the in the van. In the van. No, no, no. Gatorade. Gatorade bottles. Nice wide mouth. Big the, big wide mouth and then and you know, thirty two ounces. The typical the typical bladder will hold. I guess I guess this is I don't know if this is comfortably, if this I'm is dying roomy. to know the answer to this. You ready? Yeah. Maximum. Yeah. One liter. Really? So, but here's what I'm saying. If you really, really, really have to pee, never grab anything that's less than a liter or you're, you're going to be in a sad, sorry state. You're going to have, you're nice. going to have wet hands. One liter. Okay. Well, 32 I've ounces. I've topped them off. I've topped off a liter and I, I think I may have gone over, but I need to double check this, but I'm pretty sure. You know what? Yeah. Well, first of all, tell me, does that comport with your experience at all? It does. It absolutely does. It absolutely does. A, a, a large Gatorade bottle. I have, I have never filled, but, uh, but, uh, but one of the like. Single serving sizes of Gatorade bottles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just not quite enough. Sixteen ounces, not quite. You can go over, hmm. and that's embarrassing, particularly if you're in the back seat of a tour van mm-hmm. that's hurtling across the roads of North Dakota, and you're like, "I gotta pee," and the driver, in this case, probably me, mm-hmm. says, "We're not stopping." I'm, well, I'm, I'm I'm playing two roles in this scenario. I'm the driver who's not stopping, and I'm also the guy in the back who wants to pee. Look at Alanis Morissette video. Yeah, that's right. Isn't it ironic? <laughs> it's a Dijani bottle that was smaller than you think, and then you got to take it in back and make a little tink. Don't you yeah, think first so? of all, first of all, yes, I have never allowed a Dasani bottle of any kind into into any any piece of my property because, because Coca Cola supports apartheid. Because not only because Coca Cola supports apartheid, but still, because they still the, do that, don't they? The way that they make the Dasani water taste the way they do is that every bottle of Dasani water is filtered through a dead raccoon. Is, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Dasani, I, had, I had never heard that. You can taste it. Every every bottle of Dasani they have they 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 have a they have a thing there where they where they filter the water through a dead raccoon, and <laughs> at a certain point they have to change the raccoon out. 
<laughs> Come on. But, it doesn't uh, taste that bad. It's so terrible. That Did water you know they, had, so they ter- add minerals to make it have more of a flavor? You know what that means? Salt. Hmm. They add salt no. to the Dasani water. If you don't think there's salt in Dasani water, my friend, you are fooling yourself. No shit. Salt and also whatever other minerals come out of a dead raccoon. It is the worst, worst, worst. And the thing is, here's, here's my feeling about Dasani water. If Coca-Cola can manage to convince people that this pollution is refreshing water, then what we should do is employ the Coca-Cola company to convince the Pakistanis that they do not really care that much about Kashmir, and maybe we can end war. You know what I mean? Oh, you're, you're saying it's like a Jedi mind trick. It is a fucking Jedi mind trick. The Coca-Cola company has, through by throwing $1 billion mm-hmm. at, at the, the marketing of this product, they have taken this polluted water that, has, that, that they have added salt to and that they have filtered through a dead raccoon mm. and they have put in what I find to be even unappealing looking bottles. And then they, you find it everywhere now. You go to places and it's like, we, we exclusively serve Dasani water. And I think, Oh, it's all about exclusivity now. I think they have done such an amazing job of convincing people that this pollution is nutrition that that we sh- we should employ them we really should to go to uh to go to Kashmir mm-hmm. and say listen everyone this is a you know what we're going to do we're going to make a free state of Kashmir and it's going to be an open city and everybody can come and so Pakistan and India you guys can just relax now and then you can stop funding the terrorists in Afghanistan because it's not because you know that that's all about India too well, so so you're saying if I understand what you're saying you're saying if they have these persuasive skills and they've made the kind of dough they're making by putting water in plastic and selling it uh, you're saying you're saying maybe give a little back is it, right. It's time. It's time to use your Jedi mind tricks now. Who wants cashmere? Who 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 is it that that is different people want it? Is that the problem? Oh, who doesn't want cashmere? Yeah, I so, love that song. So India and China and Pakistan all China, want, the Chinese are in on it. Listen, the Chinese are on everything up there. Anywhere that China touches, I'm, I guarantee you that the Chinese are are trying to think of a way to move that fence a little bit. They're huh. like, here's the border, but I I think really, if you get right down to it. Really, the border belongs over here, just a, just a hundred miles further along, in you know, because that used to be China. That's traditional China. Anyway, Kashmir is this beautiful, beautiful place. It's a lovely place, hmm. and uh, and all of these countries uh, believe that it is their it is their ancestral homeland. Their their it's rightfully theirs, and it is the source. Kashmir is the source of all the all the problems there. It's absolutely the source. This is this, of, this happens in a lot of countries, and I have to tell you, I, I I'm not the uh, I'm not the international polymath that you are, but I think if there's anybody who can settle this shit, it's probably Coca Cola. That's exactly what I. They what have I, international yeah. market penetration. They got a cool logo. They can get up there and they can give free Dasani water to everybody, and then as everybody is choking it down and thinking, <laughs> why does this taste like the inside of well, a Well, is it hot in Kashmir? Uh, well, it's mountainous. Okay, but I'm just thinking, you walk all the way up to the meeting, right? You got to walk up warm. a hill. You're it's probably warm. sweating. You've yeah, lost. Yeah. You, now, who makes Gatorade? Does Coke make Gatorade? Mm, I think Gatorade is made by the University of Florida. That's where it was it? invented, like the uh, like the flat iron steak. Was invented at the University of Florida? Oh, well, they only invented it like 15, 20, 15, 20 years ago. The they flat inv- iron steak. The flat iron steak was was discovered. They discovered geometrically a new way to cut up a cow to get a a, a nearly perfect piece of steak. It's a it's an it's an ideal piece of steak, and uh, 
They cut it. They cut it up in a different way. They cut a different angle. They came at it from a three D angle. I'm going to research this because this is fascinating. I'm on to me. the page. This- I just sent you the link for this uh, page. Uh, questions and answers about the volume of the human bladder. The mm-hmm. largest number I can find for capacity. Capacity for most of them, six hundred uh, uh, cubic uh, centimeters, which would be six hundred milliliters. The mm-hmm. highest I can find anywhere is one thousand uh, cm three. That's cubic centimeters, right? Which is a liter. A liter, right? That's it. That is the maximum. Boom. You're full. Wow. Now, I, I, here's the thing. I, I, I'm going to do this off air. I have to pee really, really bad right now. Mm-hmm. And so when we wrap up here, I, I'm going to pee and measure it. Now, when I, well, that's, I, that's great. I think we do that. We do that. Can we compare results on that? You, well, I don't have to pee right now. But John, if you knew, now listen, if you spent the last whole year, like 55, if you spent the last 55 years of your life knowing that you had at best a liter, and maybe in your case, you're from Alaska and you're pretty tall. So what are you, uh, six, 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 three and, and nine tenths? What is it? Mm-hmm. So you might have, let's say you got 1.2 liters. Like, aren't there, wouldn't that change the way you think about bottles? Well, what happened when I was, I used to live in a warehouse loft that I kept um, meaning to put a bathroom in. (laughs) Uh, This was a long time ago in my 20s where I was like... How long long had you been meaning to do that? I lived in this warehouse for four years. (laughs) (laughs) And there was a, there was no bathroom. Did uh, you have a sink? And no kitchen. Was no, it like a utility sink? No, but there was a bathroom in the building, uh, which was shared by all the other like artists and. Ew, uh, God, sharing like, a bathroom with artists in a fucking warehouse. Dog breeders, and it was a terror. It was, it was, it was a. Do you know how those people? Scene. Do you know how those people eat? Oh, I do. Lentils, I've seen it. John. I know. I've seen it. Ugh. But uh, but in any case, uh, I kept a. Uh, uh, so, so because we didn't have running water in the, I lived here four years with no running water. Uh, I would buy water by the gallon. I would buy gallon jugs of water, <laughs> and then uh, it was a big warehouse, right? So my, I built a room for myself over in the corner, and uh, in the middle of the night, to get up from my my bed and walk across my giant warehouse out the door and down the hall where there were where somebody was probably having a midnight art opening and somebody else was like welding something to go to this bathroom that was it was it was literally a mile away was it a one holer the bathroom oh yeah. Or, yeah, yeah so it wasn't like an airport bathroom no 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 it was a, it was a one it was it was one toilet and it and the bathroom had been slapped together by somebody it wasn't it's not like a it's not a bathroom that you would be comfortable in. It's a bathroom where when the wind was blowing, the wind would come through the, the cracks in the wall. Uh, so anyway, I kept a gallon jug, of an empty gallon jug under my bed. And if I woke up in the middle of the night and had to go pee, I would go pee in this gallon jug. Mm-hmm. But because of my hoarding tendencies, I ended up sometimes with three or four gallon jugs of pee under my bed. And it was, so it was a pretty high up. It was like a, on a standard. It was a, it was a high bed. Yeah, it wasn't like a mattress on the floor. Oh. Uh, yeah, I had some standards. But it was it <laughs> when was, you're in a warehouse, you're going to want to be off that floor. Yeah, it was very embarrassing when somebody, when a you know, when a lady would come over, mm-hmm. and if she was, I mean, typically most ladies wouldn't discover it, but every once in a while you get a nosy lady who wants to see what's under your bed, and then she's like, "What's all this apple cider?" <laughs> she's checking for duct tape and knives, and you go, "Oh, I'm sorry about that. That's one of the. That's just isn't part that of the weird? Problem. The living alone, living alone." 
you, you quit you, you stop noticing things like that quite as much you really don't don't you but think the, don't you think that's part of it it is and and the thing about the warehouse loft is that it backed up on the police station and this was during so the police they, the, they kind of built this police station at the time and so the so we had an alley between us and the and the and the precinct the main precinct house for the neighborhood and it was during the WTO era and right before that. Mm. And uh, it was at a time when I was, you know, I still felt somewhat legitimate, uh, legitimately mad at the police for being there protecting us. And uh, so sometimes <laughs> rather than, because the thing is, if you leave, if you leave pee in a milk jug under your bed for very long at all. Mm-hmm. It takes on a certain, like, if you've ever been around, uh, God forbid, you've been around a cat. Uh, it takes on a certain ammonia quality. Oh, it really does. It's a terrible, terrible musky thing. And, and, and it happens to, pretty fast. Like you, you might be okay for a day or two, but then you walk in, you've gone outside to go get some coffee, you come back in and, and it really, it really smells like cats. It's terrible. And, and so did you cap you them? Know, did you cap them so, when you were oh, done? Of course. Of course. You're a gentleman. Come on. I'm not a fucking <laughs> monster. But, but I, I, you know, if it was, if the pee was fresh, I would take it in and I would dump it in the toilet. But if it was, but you know, standing there, standing there at a communal toilet, with a gallon jug of pee, like you didn't have even like you didn't, <laughs> you didn't even have like a drain in the floor. No, it was dump, dump, dump into the toilet. That's, it was either the window or the door. It was that's the only... not a thing. That's right. That's not a thing where you think like I am. I am flourishing. I'm imagining. You know no, no. I'm imagining you having like a child's wagon, like a red rider, yeah. <laughs> just pulling yeah, like right. six that's right. gallons of Here we pee. Go. We're making a bathroom run. Hey, good morning, Mrs. Johnson. Hello, Mr. Hooper. <laughs> doop, 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 doop. But if the, if, the, if the pee had turned to ammonia, if the pee had gone south, if it had turned and had become like rotten pee, I did not want to stand in the toilet and, and like and go duke, duke, duke because it was just this terrible thing. So what I would do is I would open the bathroom window and I would hurl the, the gallon jugs of pee at the back of the police station. <laughs> oh, they'll never figure that out. And you know, and I just it was, and these things would explode, and it just be it just be this terrible oh ammonia pee all over everything. That alley, I'm sure, still is a super fun sight. But you know, I mean, going back to Super Train or the, the predecessor, the precursor to Super Train, your your father's Alaskan train. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you've always enjoyed throwing things out of windows. It's absolutely true. Right. And so, I mean, that's a hard habit to, to break. And it seems to me like you've developed, at this point when you were living in the artist's warehouse, you had a, you had a chain of, of, of interesting uh, uh, repetitive behaviors. Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard to stop peeing in a jug. I mean, that, boy, that's real easy. Yeah, it's so easy. And, it, and honestly, I mean, I know there are people probably listening who are thinking, that is disgusting. I can't well, believe I that's just to disgusting because they haven't tried it. But you know what? If you, if you are able to pee into a milk jug and have not done it, I highly recommend you do it today. <laughs> Go get a milk jug, pee in it. You'll see what I'm talking about. It's a great feeling. And then chuck it out a window. And then if you, if you have the access to a window, chuck it. Is it the police station or the window that's more important? It's the window, right? It's the window. Yeah. The thing is, but the thing about the window, it was a big window, an old warehouse window, and I could, I could kind of in within the bathroom, like wind up, so that I was <laughs> really hucking this stuff. And what, what I, what I always wondered is, you know, if you look down the alley to the end, there's a busy street. So at some point, surely someone was walking by, happened to glance down the alley, oh, just as a, a milk jug full of orange pee came out of a third story window. And hit the building across the street and exploded. Fire and in the had, hole. And they had to think to themselves, Tesca <laughs> say. They had to think. They had to think. Hmm. 
On my way to my job interview. Can't stop and think about that. I just imagine a cop out back. Cops smoke. And if I were uh, a cop smoking, I would go in back to smoke. Yeah, but this alley, I mean, I think even before I lived there, this alley was a was a uh, was a magnet area for pee. I don't. I think. I think the cops. You know, and in Seattle, right? The cops have the cops are disencouraged to smoke. Oh yeah, I think they ask them to do it like in not not in public. It looks weird when a cop smokes. Yeah, it does. It does. It's the it's not the old days now. You don't just have cops standing around smoking. My it's, daughter is frequently treated to the sight of uh, cops uh, uh, cocking shotguns. Uh, oh, right, because you live right next to a police station, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not right next to it, because that would be creepy to tell people where I live. But you can, uh, but is that, now what are you doing now? You're making sure, it's, when you're doing that, you're making sure it's empty. Is that right? When you go, chuck, chuck. So they got, they got the regular, finally, my daughter and I went and asked, because we always noticed that when they're, when they're loading up their cop car, they got, mm. they got a, a giant-ass rifle and another giant-ass rifle, and one of them is orange. Mm. And, and so I went over and I said, uh, excuse me, if you don't mind my asking, is the orange one uh, for training purposes? Is that not a real rifle? <laughs> no, because you know the deal, right? How they had to put the orange tips because people were killing kids. You know about this, right? Yeah, of course. We know about this. Our listeners may not know that if you have a child's toy gun, it has to have an orange tip. Now, that's true around the world, I think. Because kids were getting killed, people were getting killed by holding up toy guns, and cops thought they were real guns. Yeah, but cops are killing kids who hold up a sandwich wrapped in tinfoil. Like <laughs> That'll do. That'll do. That could, that could be a munition. It could, right? 